I want to uh, take us this morning on a place over in the Old Testament. It's a little bitty book of Habakkuk. And I have something I want to share about it because I, I have people asking me questions all the time, frankly, because we've seen this past week a big surge in our economic, uh, or we've seen a change in our economic picture that we're uncertain about. So many people are asking me questions, and I, I find myself sometimes, well, I wish I had all the answers. I don't. But I will tell you this, I serve a God who does. What a kind of make reference to that today and settle us, if you will, about where we are and especially our witness to the Lord. Habakkuk was a, what is called a minor prophet. There certainly wasn't anything minor about his prophecies. But here's a young man who was called to be a prophet of God. He accepted that call on his life and he asked the Lord to help him. And yet here he is in relationship with God, dedicated to being the prophet, perfectly willing to obey. But suddenly he is watching things in his world as we are in our world today. And he doesn't have the answers as I spoke. And so I think we can identify with him very uh, similarly today. So let me read uh, some of the words that he wrote to the Lord. He asked God questions, and then we'll read God's answer to it. So I'm in chapter 1, and I'm just going to scan through some of these verses and pick out the, the, the verses so that you can get the idea. So here was Habakkuk's first problem, or we, I guess we could call it a prayer. He asked the Lord, How long, Lord, must I call for help, and you do not listen? Or cry out to you about violence, and you do not save? Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. For the wicked restrict the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. And God answers this question to Hosea, uh, Habakkuk, excuse me. He says, he says to him, I, I, look, I am going to raise up the Chaldeans. I'm going to do something in the near future that you wouldn't believe even if it were told you. And God writes him an answer. And then Habakkuk has a second problem. So let's listen to it. He asks God this. Are you not from eternity, Yahweh my God, my Holy One? You will not die. Lord, you appointed them to execute judgment. My rock, you destined them to punish us. And here he is saying, why does wickedness still come when we are praying? And Lord, I'm obeying you. God, I'm in faith with you. This is an uncomfortable situation. And Habakkuk makes a conclusion, and in verse 17 of verse 1 he says, Will they therefore, meaning the wicked, will they empty their net and continually slaughter nations without mercy? So this is the portion of Scripture I really want us to get to this morning, chapter 2. This is God, this is Habakkuk asking the second question, and he hears nothing for a while, so listen to what he says, verse 1. He says, I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the lookout tower. 
I will watch to see what he will say to me and what I should reply about my complaint. Here is the answer God gave him beginning in verse 2. Listen to what the Lord said. He said this, write down the vision, clearly inscribe it on tablets so one may easily read it. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It testifies about the end and will not lie. Though it delays, wait for it, since it will certainly come and not be late. Then he talks about the wicked person in the world and the part that frustrates Habakkuk, why God doesn't do anything. Listen to how God describes him. Look, the, his ego is inflated. He is without integrity. But watch the contrast. God makes a declarative statement to this seeking prophet. He said, but the righteous one will live by his faith. He will live by his faith. I will declare to you, we are a generation with an appetite for the immediate. So much so that millions of people today across this world are trading their eternity for a moment. They are trading the eternal for the present. They are trading their future for just what is now. Habakkuk is the skeptic of the Old Testament. Habakkuk stands in a maze of bewilderment. He's in the midst of what I call a quagmire of decision. Here he stands with a belief in God and a call of God upon his life. And he has a reputation of being a true believer. As a matter of fact, his name in the Greek means to cling. And his name tells us that he firmly will cling to God in a relationship regardless of what happens to his nation. But here's Habakkuk's problem. The present. He cannot reconcile fact and faith. They do not seem to be the same at this moment in his life. Here's a, here's a question. Here's his question. And pay attention to it because I think it's everyone's question. He simply says something like this. If God is in heaven, why are things as they are? The earth is deluded with wickedness. The innocent are like fish caught in the tyrant's net. Right is on the gallows. Wrong is on the throne. It's the old, old mystery. It's the perplexing saga that has shaken every simpleton and has shaken every wise man. For centuries, that question, if God is in heaven, why are things as they are, has, that's, has been man's question. It has been the question, perhaps, of every husband. The question, perhaps, of every wife. The question of every parent and children. And it's been your question, and it's been my question. But in this particular circumstance, watch what Habakkuk does. He actually distinguishes himself. Not in the question that he asked, but in the answer. And his distinction is this. He declines to answer it. From a human reasoning standpoint, Habakkuk decided he would not answer it. He's in essence saying, I don't understand, so I will keep an open mind. I will stand, I will watch, I will tarry, 
I will wait with patience until the explanation from God comes. I've often said many times as a Christian, if you don't know what to do, be still until you do know what to do. In a book entitled Foundations of Zoology, Professor W.K. Brooks, uh, I guess maybe one of my shirt tail relatives, really not. But he wrote in the book Zoology, W.K. Brooks, he writes these words. The hardest of intellectual virtues is philosophic doubt. I've thought about that a lot. And he goes on to say, suspended judgment is the supreme triumph of intellectual discipline. That is the glory of the prophet Habakkuk. He developed the hardest, the most difficult of intellectual virtues. He suspended judgment. I've watched personalities in people for decades and even watched myself. Sometimes we are so, and I think sometimes, too eager to bring the question. Sometimes, perhaps out of an ego, we want somebody to think we're intelligent or we want to have the best answer first. But we are pretty quick sometimes to try to be the person who has the answer. I think we should listen to this. Seeing difficulties in belief. When you see a difficulty in what you believe, anybody can rush to unbelief. When you see difficulties in what you believe, anybody can rush to abandonment. But when faith conflicts with facts, anyone can rush to abandon a faith. But Habakkuk refuses the urge of a subtle enemy, Satan. He refuses the urges of his carnal nature. And he knows, I will phrase it like this, a better way. I think in, re- in Habakkuk's reply, we see some things I want to share with us today. Four quick things that I would like to share about when you're, when you're staggering in your faith or when you're questioning your faith. And Lord, I believe in you. I'm in relationship with you. God, I've said I will do with my life what you want me to do. And then it seems like you don't have direction. So I want to use some unusual words this morning. One of the things that I see in Habakkuk's resolve is this. He has the jealousy of a staggering faith. He said to the watchtower, why? I will go and watch. He realizes that there is something in his life and his faith he must guard. He realizes that our enemy is a thief. So he said to the guard post, to the ramparts. Why did he say that? He realizes that there is something that he has to hold. It's a truth. It's a principle. It's something that is eternal. It cannot be blown away with a storm. It can't be changed by COVID-19. It can't be changed even by the enemies. Through Habakkuk's words come a noble sense of responsibility. He knows Listen, ladies and gentlemen, young people, he knows the heritage of truth that kept the great saints of the past. And he will not, in his inconvenience, he will not, in his impatience, and he will not, in his not knowing, throw away the truth that kept the saints of the ages before. The jealousy of that helps him. 
a businessman today when things go tough. That businessman clings more tenaciously to the treasure that he had accumulated in a more prosperous year. We all know if you study the bees and the ants in the wintertime, they live off of what they've stored in the summertime. Ladies and gentlemen, we must learn to sing in the days of trial the song that we learned in our days of gladness. That song is as true in the day of sorrow as it is gladness. Habakkuk teaches us when we are confronted by perplexity so baffling and we find ourselves without direction, when tempted to throw away everything that we have to the wind because we're impatient or we don't understand, he teaches us this lesson, be still. God give us instruction, be still and know that I am God. Pause, think, just settle down. Get out from under the pressure. Get to the watchtower. Get to the guard post. Be jealous of the priceless truth of yesterday in your life. Don't be robbed. Be jealous of absolute truth. I know we're in a day where our college professors, university professors try to sell the bill of goods to this society that there are no absolute truths. I want to declare to you this morning in 2020... That this book is true, and it's absolutely true. And when all the scoffers and all those who disagree with the God of this authorship, when they're all silenced and gone, this word will never pass away. It is absolutely truth, and that is what I'm basing my eternity on. So when I don't know what to do in my faith... He teaches me, be jealous of what God has done. Remember what He's done so that I can be steadfast today. I think it's important. There's another lesson that Habakkuk looks at about a staggering faith. The vigilance of a staggering faith. I will stand at my guard post, he said. I will watch. I will watch to see what He, meaning God, says to me. Listen, when problems of life become overwhelming, I want to declare to you, your faith must stay awake. You cannot afford to coast. You cannot afford to drift. So when the scripture and the Lord prompts us to say, be still, it doesn't mean be asleep. It it means stay awake, but get still. Habakkuk simply said something like this, I can't solve the problem, but I will keep my eyes open. I may not be able to discern what the Lord is doing right now, but I will, like a sentry watch, I will stay on guard for any movement, for any shadow, for any light. I believe that when I was in the military, they taught me something that I believe is applicable to my life as a Christian. I was taught through basic training in AIT in the United States Army that you receive a command. And if you don't know what to do, you just keep obeying the last command you received until it's changed. I think that's a good application for the Christian. When we don't know what to do, just keep obeying that which we do know. Believer, watchful eyes are seldom cheated of the vision for which they are so tirelessly and hungrily watch. If God has spoken a promise, just be still if you don't see it. You may not understand it, but write this down. Be vigilant, even in a staggering faith, because God will finish what He promised. 
And the third thing I want to look at is the patience of a staggering faith. Wait for it. Verse 3 says, though it tarries, wait for it. I want to declare again today, I did this three or four weeks ago, God is not nervous. God is not in a panic. Everything is all right in the Father's house. God is watching His plan unfold. I read a story that I think is very typical about a man who used to talk to his friends about the wonders of being in the woods. And he would describe to them beautiful things like the pheasant in the fern and the rabbit out in the open, the squirrel in a pine tree, a deer in the forest. And quickly his friends would hurry off to see those beautiful creatures in the forest, but inevitably they returned disappointed. We saw no pheasant. We saw no rabbit. We saw no squirrel. We never saw a deer. How is it that you saw it and we didn't? And the man replied these words, because I don't mind crouching for two hours in a wet ditch. So much of the time, we don't have the answers we want because we are impatient. We don't have the answers we want because things are uncomfortable. Darwin, though his evolution idea was theory, I read it in history, I remember he watched earthworms, ladies and gentlemen, for 29 years. And I want to tell you, we say, wait and see. But to wait is to see. Waiting is the secret to seeing. I think God calls us to a prayer time to pray sometime so that we can wait to see. I just want to reiterate the patience of a staggering faith is worth our time. And lastly, Habakkuk teaches the witness of a staggering faith. The moment that the vision comes and it is revealed, the moment God answers prayer, the moment Habakkuk will know exactly what God is doing and what he wants to say, here is this man ready to pass it on. The witness of a staggering faith. Verse 2, it said, write it, write it plainly, that he may run who reads it. That word run is in the King James Version. And there are varied translations about from scholars about this word run. I have read numerous of them. I want to draw two major things from this word run. First of all, it, it, it teaches us this. The moment... The perplexities of life are scattered, and we see them now coming as under the direction of God. This prophet will do his best to dispel the gloom of every other believer. I want to tell you something in this particular day in which we live. There are so many people asking so many questions with such apprehension and we hear reports, some of them, the new word is fake news. Some of them may be true. Some of them may not be true. The truth is, ladies and gentlemen, there's so much speculation. There's so many theories about all this. I settle in one thing, and that's the Word of God. I settle in the fact that God knows what He's doing. And I, I have this Word. I want to run to you with it today. 
Our God is still God. Yes, I know there's a devil trying to rival God. But can I tell you this? Saints, don't forget, Satan is no equal evil with God. He's not even a decent rival against God. He only does what he does because of God allowing it to be done in this particular age called the church age. I want to tell you, when... When God has put faith in you and God has spoken to you, tell somebody. I talked to a man this week who, who had friends when the stock market went down so deeply. He, they immediately started texting and there was panic everywhere. And this man was going, wow, you gotta be kidding. And he called his friend and he said, why did you post that? Why are you thinking that? Why would you respond like that? You're a believer, aren't you? But here we are in uncertain days. That's, that's typical human nature. But ladies and gentlemen, not that of faith. I, I want to tell you that don't let this day shake your faith at all. Give the witness. I really want to say that when you hear those kind of things, be sure you boast of the faith of somebody else. You know what? I don't know the answers either, but I do know God. And I know what God has spoken. Absolutely, God has told us that we are more than conquerors, we are victorious. I love what someone shared about Billy Graham years ago. He simply said something like this, I've read the last chapter, The Believer Wins. Ladies and gentlemen, don't let Satan destroy your faith. And when somebody's struggling, let us do what he said, let's run, let's tell them this is God's answer. Second thing I want to say about this word run is this, it talks about... It's about one's lifestyle. I want to put it in plain language so that you may live it the right way. When God gives us a word, it's for more than just running and telling it because our testimony has the, its authority and its weightiness out of how we live. It's important how we live. So Habakkuk, watch this, he will hear it, he will live it, and he will tell it. That is exactly the message I want to share with us today. I'm reminded in the 12th chapter of of Revelation where it speaks of how the believers through these ages had overcome the old dragon, the enemy, the devil, if you will. The word says the believers overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Saints, we are washed in the blood of the lamb. We are not saved by the blood of goats and bullocks and blood that flew, flowed on Jewish soil. We are saved by the precious blood of Jesus, worth more than gold and silver. We are washed in the blood. We are faith people. And now the word of our testimony, if we ever should testify with authenticity, let our, let our life back up what we teach. Let our life back our faith. Let us live it right so that we can speak it right. Saints, when you see thousands of people today with a staggering faith or under a siege of doubt from the enemy, bolster their faith. Live it in front of them. Show compassion, but let's stay with the truth. When thousands are listening to fears, when they, when they don't know what is going to happen about their economy, when they don't know about food, all, all the insecurities that we have, I want to say to the people of God, hear the truth. Live the truth and tell the truth. And I I mean tell the truth of the word of God. Let it be known because the scripture says he sent his word to heal them. 
I want this word to go forth today to bolster anybody's faith who is, who's struggling. I will tell you, if you're a twice-born man or woman or young people, you're a threat to the enemy. And he will come, and he will try to defeat you. But, ladies and gentlemen, greater is he that's within us than he that's within this world. I'm not afraid of the COVID-19. I'm not afraid of tomorrow. Paul said it like this, I believe it. I know whom I have believed. I'm convinced, Paul said, persuaded that he, the God of my salvation and eternity and all creation, he is able to keep, to protect, to absolutely keep what I have committed unto him against any day Satan will bring. Because the truth is, in not too many days from now, I believe Satan is going to be limited and he's going to be limited for a long time. Keep your eyes on God. I will tell you this. I believe that God is moving and he is moving the players on this globe at this particular time so that his plan is being worked just like he wants it. The blood-bought people, I want to say, stay with the blood-bought testimony and testify in this late hour because we need the encouragement ladies and gentlemen not only do we help others when we when we run and tell when we live it and we speak it it not only encourages the others it encourages ourselves that's why we need to be people of a testimony i pray today that god has used these few words to bolster you don't don't be the one that's in need be the one that meets the needs And that's the way I think God wants us to live as believers today.